One of the top 10 retreats worldwide, says The Guardian. Perfect for corporate calm, writes The Times UK. TripAdvisor, 34 reviews, average of five stars, if you don't mind. Where am I talking about? Ardner who? Ardner what? <laughs> Ardner who in Leitrim. Multi-award winning retreat centre that myself and Rachel Kinlan, you may have heard of, are doing a retreat with next year, April 2020. A weekend from the 3rd of April to the 5th of April, that's Friday to Sunday, staying in their eco cabins. We have an early bird offer on at the moment. Save yourself 100 bob and uh, get yourself uh, some yoga, some holistic treatments. And uh, they've got a hot tub there. They've got an infrared sauna. And we are, we've had a few people book up already, which is great. And the early bird is valid until the end of January. So if you'd like any information on that, you can go to my website, kevinboyoga.ie forward slash spring hyphen retreat. And you'll be able to read all about it there. This podcast is brought to you by two groups of people. The first are the nature of things. Nature of things provide essential oils for your yoga studio, for your living room, for your bedroom, wherever room you're thinking of, you can find a scent to match and whatever mood you're in. We have uh, Benoit Nicole, who's the founder, was kind enough to give myself and Rach a few different scents that we tried out um i mean the role the the rose is really the the bee's knees that's the uh the, the main that's the kind of the most fanciest one they have so if you want to check out the nature of things and get yourself some essential oils for christmas you can do that and you just go to the nature of put in the promo code yoga life and you get 10 percent off this podcast is also brought to you by small changes an organic, eco-friendly store here in Ireland that provide whole foods and produce for your house. Helps to look after yourself and the environment around you. Today I have with me Mark Whitwell. So you might have heard of Mark before if you've been to um, if you've been on the, the Dublin yoga scene for the last couple of weeks because he's been here in Dublin uh, and they went up to Belfast as well. Mark is a direct student of Krishnamacharya and Desika Char, his son. He's um, talks about he's 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 a subject area of expertise would be Tantra, and he has a book out at the moment called God and Sex. Now we get both. Ooh la la. He uh, so Mark is. I asked him <laughs> questions like, "What is yoga?" In his opinion, what is the nature of um, yoga in terms of how we see it in modern society. So uh, how how accurately are we teaching yoga now c- compared to its roots? And we also talked about his opinion on giving adjustments and assists, physical assists to people. And he, what I like about Mark is he's um, unapologetic in his opinion, which is great, but he's also full of wisdom. He's, um, and I spent a bit of time with him. I actually went to his talk last night as well, uh, which was God and Sex. And uh, it was very interesting. I really hope you enjoy this this episode. And I really appreciate everyone's messages that you sent and the questions you asked, which I then asked Mark 
when he was here at my house. Um, and also, thank you for the reviews. They keep coming in, which is so cool. Um, I had one here two days ago by Running Row. I'll read it to you before we start. I love this podcast, she writes. I found it as I was considering signing up to a teacher training, but wasn't sure if I was flexible enough, exclamation mark. After listening to several episodes, I was inspired and decided to take the plunge and I'm halfway through my training. In brackets, I'm still not a very flexible person, but I know now that's not what yoga is about. So true, Ro. I find all the chats and interviews so inspiring, honest, and also practical in terms of setting up a yoga business. You never know. I could be a studio owner one day and hopefully Kevin will interview me. Double exclamation mark. Keep up the great chats, Kevin. Thank you, Running Row. You're a legend. Appreciate it. Yeah, lovely the reviews, everyone. Thank you so much. If you get a chance, please do leave a review on iTunes or share this with a friend, uh, either verbally or via the internet. And um, yeah, without further ado, here is Mark Whitwell. Hi, Mark. Hi. Thanks for coming. You're so welcome. Uh, Mark, I've done... 77 episodes of this podcast and it's called the yoga life podcast mm -hmm. but i've never asked anyone this question Wait. <laughs> what, can it be? what is yoga you've never asked i've never <laughs> asked <laughs> 78 77 podcasts on you what the fuck so I, I thought it's yeah i thought and what better person to ask than yourself yeah what a a beautiful question. Thank you. I can say that it was Krishnamacharya, Turmalai Krishnamacharya, the teacher of BKS Iyengar and the teacher of Patabi Joyce, who are essentially the uh, the brands of yoga for this world. You know, the studio business of yoga is based on the teachings of Iyengar and Joyce. Well, 80% of it is actually around the world. And it was Krishnamacharya, their teacher, that made it clear what is yoga. But even more importantly, he made it clear uh, how does any individual do yoga hmm. in the way that is right for them so that it is actually yoga. Right? So yoga is... <laughs> <laughs> intimacy with reality itself you want more language around that well, or should I we just pause for 10 minutes on that yeah let's pause <laughs> yoga is direct intimacy with reality itself reality is a nurturing regenerative force hmm. I am that you are that you know, the power of this cosmos that brought this body into existence, that brought your body into existence, that brought everybody into existence who's listening to this podcast. Reality brought you into form and is presently sustaining you. Life itself, you are that. This life is a pure intelligence this life is unspeakable beauty. Everything in the natural world is, if you haven't noticed, but, but I think you have noticed, 
everything in the natural world is utter beauty. And you are of the natural world. Mm. You are the beauty. You don't have to get to beauty. You are the beauty. Furthermore, this body, your body, my body, is in a, in a perfect intrinsic harmony with the rest of the cosmos. My body has a perfect relationship with air right now. This body knows what it's doing with air. <laughs> <laughs> this body knows what it's doing with light. One scientist said if the sun disappeared, there'd be eight more minutes of life. So we are sustained by light, mm. literally, actually so. And water and the green realm, the plant kingdom, and the male-female collaboration, which is the nurturing power of this cosmos. Male-female collaboration, perfect intrinsic harmony, creates motherhood and fatherhood and creates new life. It creates the nurturing flow of life. Mm. So yoga is the participation in that. It's not to get to that because it's already given. I am the power of the cosmos. I don't have to get to it. I don't even have to realize it. There's a slogan that I've heard before, which is practice and all is coming. What do you think? I, I was listening to Alan Watts this morning. Um, I, I like to listen to him when I'm practicing. And he talked about the phenomenon of self-improvement and how in, in America, for example, and it, this filters through to Europe, most of the bookshelves are full of books about how to improve. Mm. Why do you think, or do you think this slogan practice and all is coming um, could be problematic. It's totally problematic. The whole thing is based on a hoax. It's a you know, profound manipulation of the human condition. This idea of becoming is the act of denial of what you are. Trying to get somewhere as if you're not somewhere. See, this is not yoga. And it's a slogan or a a line used in the power structures of every kind of, you know, a fake promise of do my arbitrary method, <laughs> do my arbitrary meditation, my arbitrary gymnastics, and all is coming. Like, I want to know what is coming, you know. <laughs> it's a hoax. Is it because we're trying to make a a one-size-fits-all, follow my program and therefore you'll get this result or follow these movements and you'll get this result. And, um, but then how do you, how do you um, say for example, you, you practice at home on your own, which I do now, I don't go to studios anymore. Not not because, not it, just, it suits my lifestyle. As you can see, I've got my girlfriend, I've got my dog. Beautiful, I, got a girlfriend and a dog. <laughs> so, uh, so, I, um, my time is, uh, I have to prioritize my time differently, mm. let's say. And I find that now I just practice on my own at home. And I, but am I missing something? Just, I just want to 
clarify that the whole idea of becoming something, getting to a, uh, a future sublime state that is promised by the power structures, mm. by anybody selling you anything. <laughs> if you buy this, you get that. This is the act of denial of the plain wonder that you are the power of this cosmos that is arising is this reality mm. like who could make a body <laughs> who could make skin mm. who could do breath who could create the perceivers perceiving and the mind that can think how beautiful is all of this mm. and it's already in place perfectly and, you know i go back to the prior statement uh, you are the power of the cosmos. It is arising as pure intelligence, this body, these perceivers, this mind, mm -hmm. <laughs> this breath, this sex. You are in perfect harmony with the rest of the cosmos. Harmony and dependence upon, in the context of this utter relatedness to the cosmos. Right? You are that. Mm. Clearly so. This is not an this is not a arbitrary statement. It's not a abstract statement. Mm. It's a fact. You're the power of the cosmos. Yoga is your embrace of that. Acknowledgement, enjoyment of that. You could say participation in that. Actual and natural daily embrace of what you are is yoga adapted to your needs your body type your age and your health and your cultural background this is yoga mm. the idea of a self self-improvement program you know at its most benign <laughs> or becoming enlightened you know trying to get to some place of future fulfillment that is promised by uh, religious traditions or and power structures of all all kinds, you know, secular and spiritual power structures selling you stuff. This is the hoax that we are all in. This hoax has created civilization. Mm. This is this hoax has created thought structures in us by which we imagine we're not there yet. You know, we imagine that we are second to some great possibility, you know, mm -hmm. that, that I am second to somebody great or something great. And that is accompanied by I am superior to <laughs> something. Mm -hmm. you know? And we are in that those thought structures that but have been created by power holders of all kinds in uh, secular life, spiritual life which is secular life i think the condition of self-improvement happens from a very young age because mm. in school for example we it's not like you're learning for the joy of learning you're learning to achieve something totally. to get a grade and to be top of the class totally so all of that conditioning then we reach adulthood and someone says to you the teacher says to you in a class this is not about self-improvement so if it's not about self-improvement, why practice yoga? We practice yoga because, in fact, we are restricted. 
I'm the, you know, the, it's possible in, uh, in the, you know, in the great traditions. It is possible, and there are accounts of individuals who were told, "You're the power of the cosmos," <laughs> <laughs> and they go, "Oh, oh shit! Of course." <laughs> What was I thinking? And get out of jail free, you know, walk scot-free. Uh, there are those cases. And in those cases, there's no question of yoga practice. You know, if, if you're the power of the cosmos becomes uh, simply obvious and then uh, clearly the situation of your life, you can see that Life is arising as pure intelligence. You can see that this body, this flesh, is a pure intelligence. It is the unspeakable beauty of reality itself arising. It is in perfect harmony with air and light and water and green and male-female collaboration and stars, <laughs> known and unknown stars, sun and moon. You go, oh, okay, good. Thanks a lot. I'm good. I'm good now. There is no question of yoga, you know, to have your life. Mm. And, of course, that can come on a person at any time in their life. You cannot determine it. You cannot claim it to be so. And that's part of the hoax that is put on humanity, those people who say, I am guru. Well, I am a knower, you know. Uh, my dear, our dear teacher, Krishnamacharya, <clears throat> saying anyone who says he is a guru is not a guru. Mm -hmm. You know, a guru is not a, a social, a yoga teacher is not a social identity, you know, not a personal identity. Uh, it's not a status, it's not an authority, you know. The yoga teacher or the guru is only the force of Mother Nature's nurturing in local community. Mm -hmm. It is not an identity of any kind. So if you say, if you make this claim, you know, you're only doing it as a sort of a, as business mm -hmm. <laughs> to fool the people. To, uh, to get guru, a uh, sorry, go on. My guru used to say, first you have to fool yourself before you can fool the people. So there's lots of that in our world, you know. So that's how do you think then, since Krishnamacharya's teachings, how do you think yoga has been misinterpreted by these gurus? By you could call it the patriarchy. What how has that manifested itself? It's just the habit, you see, it's so ingrained in us this assumption that spiritual transmission occurs from a knower. From a hierarchy, hmm. from someone who is senior to you. You know, we call it the social dynamic of disempowerment. That whole arrangement, you know, and that is the arrangement of this of the whole world, and it is not yoga. <laughs> that <laughs> arrangement is not yoga. It is uh, religion at best, but it's you know it's temple religion. It's uh, exploiting the suffering of the people. It, it is creating superstitious, superstitious mind. You know, practice and all is coming as part of that. It is superstitious mind. Imagining that you are less 
and trying to become more, you know, appealing to a higher source, you know, help me, help me. <laughs> mm. You know, it's it like a drowning person going, help me, you know, help me, help me, hand up. You know, all you have to do is put your hand down and swim. Mm. And the shore's, t you know, 20 yards over there and all is good. You know, swim, have your life. Mm. This hoax has been put on us. It has created civilization, frankly. I mean, here we are in Ireland, you know, we could go into it. The Please. Well, maybe. But the, hist <laughs> the history of the manipulation of public with the God idea, you know, and the priesthood that holds this exclusive access to God, you know, the model of the perfect person implies that you are not perfect and you're put in this arbitrary struggle of trying to become perfect you know mm -hmm. through the what the arbitrary methodologies that are given to you by the church and state you know the tyranny of church and state mm -hmm. and the gurus who tell you to do this struggle away with this self-improvement program so one day you will be <laughs> mm -hmm. in the state that the perfect person is presumed to be in you know First, you have to fool yourself before you can fool the people, you know, and that's been put upon us. And I'm not saying Christ or Buddha or Muhammad were such people. It's what came after them. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the original sin, for example. I remember when I was young and I, my mum said, you don't have to go to church if you don't want to. And my, my argument was, I don't feel like I'm a sinner. I, I do bad things sometimes, you know, um, which I won't go into it, but when I was younger, you know, we do things that we're not proud of. But I don't think I am born in a bad way and I need to repent on my knees for someone else to forgive me. And I always used to find it bizarre that the amount of respect, particularly older people, would pay the priests. And I'd be like, who is this geezer? Who is, who is this priest? Like, who is he behind the collar, behind this this costume? Yeah. And I, I was always very suspicious. And then when people telling me not to go to church, I didn't, but what I'm, I will say is though, I really missed the community. Yeah, of course. And that's that's the thing of having a personal yoga practice that I love to be on my own and not be distracted or feel like I'm competing with someone else. But I do miss the uh, being with other people. Of course. And, and it's funny you say about, if you think you're a guru, then you're not a guru. And that makes sense to me, but what I have noticed is when I first started doing yoga, I, I hated it so much because I really resented the, the, the teacher. It was a Bikram class and he would say, you can't drink any water or you have to, you can't do your version of the pose. You have to do it exactly this way. And I may, it reminded me of being in school, the headmaster, the priest. And I thought, uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to do it at all. If, if this is what it means, hmm. but what I've, or how, what I've realized for the way I teach is that people um, listen to this podcast, they, they, they um, see me on Instagram and they see the stuff that I'm, I'm not good at or proud of. And it does, part of me feels a bit insecure because I feel like uh, we're the same. Therefore, what can I teach them? But it's changing the philosophy in my head yeah. to be more like, what can we teach each other? And actually the person, sorry, to, uh, Mark, but I have to give a shout out to someone, um, to a girl called Hannah, um, who Hannah is responsible for this, this happening. 
And I was in the teacher training last weekend, talking to the trainees, talking about Tantra. And Hannah chips in and gives her insights on Tantra. And I learned so much from her. And that's when your name came up. Mm. And it made me think, I went home to my to Rach and I said, um, wow, you're like, I think I'm teaching people stuff, but I leave knowing more than probably they do because they're teaching me stuff. Mm. Um, but again, I do that with a slight feeling of vulnerability. Good vulnerability is good because it's honest. You yeah. know, there's a text that said, um, what should be the attitude of the teacher? And the teacher, the teacher's attitude is, I'm not qualified to do this, but I've been asked to, so I'm going to do my best. Mm. There's more to it. So I'll do my best and I'll probably make mistakes, but I've been asked to, so I'm going to do my best. So the teacher is one who shares what you know. You do not take on the presumption of the knower. You know, you're the right hand of the master and now you know, you know, and the master's gone and now you've got it. You know, mm -hmm. this is the, the hoax. Mm -hmm. So that we share. We are the, the, the teacher, the guru, is no more than a friend and no less than a friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, that's that that uh, defines this matter. And as I was saying before, the public can hardly imagine spiritual transmission occurring without this hierarchy, without this imposition of hierarchy. And without the idea of moving towards some future ideal, moving, becoming. <laughs> There's no requirement to become. I emphasize again, you are the power of the cosmos. There is no getting to it. God has realized you to put that in that religious framework. God has realized you. Here is God. Where's the question of realizing God? And my language is you are the power of the cosmos arising as pure intelligence and unspeakable beauty. This is the given situation. And we are simply sharing the practices that allow you to participate in this fact. This is not an abstract statement, you're the power of the cosmos. You are the power of the cosmos. Now there are these yogas that evolved in the ancient world, in the pre-doctrinal world, that were given to us, you know, and Krishnamacharya brought it through into the modern time. And uh, we have those now, you know, and where restriction remains in us in body and mind, that's when we have this gift of yoga uh, to reduce those restrictions or throw out those restrictions. There we have yoga. But as I say, there are a few very rare people who are not restricted at all in yeah. body and mind. However, this the way we've been socialized by civilization in Ireland and everywhere else, we are deeply restricted by the social patterning of the society that we have been born into. Mm. So in most cases, you know, in one in a billion people don't have this problem, but the rest of us do. Mm. <laughs> we are restricted. We, you mentioned the word condition there. It's like a baby is close to being yeah. a yogi because they just... I've had, I have uh, four grandchildren. 
I had to count them. A new one just came <laughs> a couple of months ago. And to look upon these these unrestricted bodies and minds, right. there it is. And I, what I say, if the parents are practicing yoga, you know, yogi and yogini, lifting off these restrictions that the hoax of enlightenment have, has created, the hoax of God as a future realization has created on humanity, then we'll allow these children as best as we can to thrive in a family life, in a social circumstance, whereby they are not restricted at all. They can have their life. And I think that is the, the best thing that parents can do, is to maintain their adult intimacy together, including their sexual intimacy together. Uh, a life of intimacy, you know, that's what yoga is. It's the embrace of life itself. It's to be intimate with life. That's the definition of yoga, <laughs> to be intimate <laughs> with life, with life as it is, mm. life as it is given, the power of this cosmos that is given. The, the, the challenge with doing, speaking about God and sex in Ireland is one, the, the connotations about God, the Catholic Church, the patriarchy, the, the, the power structure there, and also sex being, as you mentioned downstairs, in Ireland, and I'm putting England in the bracket as well, um, how we are quite sexually repressed compared to other cultures. Well, no, all cultures. All cultures. I, I don't think Ireland has to single itself. I mean, you know, you do have your dark history, and certainly you can go into that and say, oh, my God, you know, it, it's terrible, and it is terrible, but, you know... Go to any other, go to India. It's the most misogynist country in this world. Dreadful denial of life, sexual suppression. You know, go to any mm. country. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Ireland doesn't need to um, single itself out. This is worldwide civilization and how it occurred through power structures and wealth creation through power structures. Yoga belongs in a time prior to that, prior to wealth creation prior to uh, power structure and, and the male uh, Noah, womenless men <laughs> who were telling the world how to live their lives. You know, Sure, you had that in Ireland, but that was the, that's how the whole world has been civilized. That's how we destroyed indigenous culture all over this world. You know. uh, womenless men who raped the planet and raped the women who controlled the women, you know, who had wanted access to women, but by controlling them, even owning them. <laughs> and this is everywhere. And we now live in a time where we've taken the lid off this bizarre arrangement, this human insanity. You know. Clearly, life is male and female arising as equals and opposites, clearly so, collaborating, you know, mm. where one empowers the other. And from that new life comes, of course. You know, what, 
what is the power, the intelligence, the beauty that can create a new life? You know, I'm not saying everybody has to go out and create a ba baby. I'm certainly not saying that. But I'm saying that's how powerful the male-female collaboration is hmm. and how necessary it is for a healthy life, for a sane life. What's the, what's the balance at the moment, would you say, I can only talk about Ireland, but maybe talk about Ireland, um, the balance between the masculine and the feminine, where is it swaying, would you say, at, at this time? Well, I don't really care which way it sways. What I care about is that what life is doing, life, capital L, life, my life, mm. reality itself, is the perfect harmony. Mm. I don't care too much about the politics of, you know, the dysfunction of male, female, and the power structures swaying and backwards and forwards. I mean, this is all infantile, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not the point at all. The point is that male and female are in a perfect union, a perfect harmony, a perfect beauty, a perfect intelligence, which is the nurturing power of life itself. You know, it produces motherhood, fatherhood, and new life. You don't have to create a baby, <laughs> but if you can practice this intimacy of opposites in your own embodiment this is what yoga is the union of opposites in your own embodiment strength that is utterly receptive if you can practice this male female collaboration in your own embodiment which is the inhale and exhale perfectly in union then you can practice it with somebody else in same sex or opposite sex intimacy it's this it applies to all sexual preferences, any gender identification or none at all, you know, uh, it has no consequence. You are male, female. Everybody living is male, female. Every living form is male and female. A flower on the altars of the Christian church is sex happening, is the exchange of male, female chemistries. Mm. A tree is male, female, the trunk ascending, going into the soft, soft foliage that mm. is utterly receptive. The foliage requires the strength of the trunk. The trunk requires the soft foliage receiving nutrients. You know, Without the, the foliage, the leaves unfolding in the radiance of life in all directions, the trunk would wither. Mm. Without the trunk, there could be no foliage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the arrangement of all life. I am that life, you are that life. Everybody living and walking and breathing is that life. Mm. They deserve to have intimacy with this arrangement that is God's arrangement, mm -hmm. God's arrangement. God arranges life like this if we have the idea of God in our thought structures, in our cultural framework, and fair enough. And it is time now, and I'd like to suggest that it's not such a challenge for Ireland to put the two words God and sex together. They belong together. This is God's method on earth. Sex is God's method. And just to go into the yogic structuring of the body a little bit, you know, that male and female come together and create one cell of life. It's called the heart, the hridaya. And one cell is created. And within three days, you have a whole spine, a whole column mm. <laughs> of ascending and descending energies. And then the head arises and the arms and the legs arise from one cell, the hridaya, the heart. It is created from the perfect union of male, female. Mm. 
the giving and the receiving of life. This is our situation, you know. And yoga is the participation in that arrangement. And, you know, the inhale, exhale reveals the heart. You know, the, the place of perfect union of the inhale with the exhale, of strength with receptivity, is the heart. It's called hrid, hridaya. You know. And uh, in the union of strength receiving with somebody else in same sex or opposite sex intimacy, the heart is revealed. You know, it's the same thing, you see. In fact, sex is the heart's activity. Sex creates the heart, <laughs> creates life. Mm -hmm. And sex is the participation in the heart, right? And it is everybody's birthright to have that participation, to enjoy that participation, to acknowledge their life as being holy, you know, as being God, as arising in and as the power of the cosmos, as pure intelligence, mm. unspeakable beauty and perfect harmony. This is the fact of our existence. This is not an abstract spiritual idea spoken to try to provoke you to try to realize it. You don't have to realize it. You are it. Mm. Yoga is participation only in this that we are. Mm. Now, this is a conversation in Ireland, in our own time, in this birth, you know, your birth. Here we are having this beautiful, uh, important conversation in Ireland. And this is a conversation for the sincere people in the religious structures as they are now. You know, for sincere Roman Catholics and sincere Protestants who love Christ, you know, who love each other. And now all the, for all people to give all people the practical tools of actualizing the beautiful ideals of Christian liturgy, for example, you know, give them these that give them the whole body prayer to life, you know. It's just, that's what yoga is, whole body prayer to life. And if we have the thought structures of God and Christ, uh, you know, whole body prayer to God and Christ is, uh, is a requirement, you know. Krishnamacharya as a religious scholar, uh, profound knowledge of of uh, religion and humanity in East and West, and a profound knowledge of yoga. And his scholarly statement was that yoga was the necessary practical means to actualize the beautiful ideals of sacred text. This is his statement, and it's a scholarly statement. Mm. Now, so far, the way yoga has been popularized in the naivety of gymnastics and this, you know, struggling of the body in a power structure of having somebody who knows yoga and you don't know it and you have to do it and all is coming, <laughs> all that stuff, that, that hoax, uh, is not it, of course. And, you know, to, to speaking to my yoga friends around the world, who have become uh, excited or interested in, in asana 
and the popular forms of asana that have been branded in the U.S. as you know styles and and uh, and commodity, you know, that has been the method of distributing this information around the world. For all those folk, it's fair enough, you know. That I deeply respect their sincere interest in doing whatever um, Mr. Iyengar or, or or Patabi taught. Fair enough, you know. But if you are in that field of interest, I just want to emphasize that your teacher is Krishnamacharya, and because he was the teacher of BKS Iyengar and K. Patabi Joyce. And it is time now for us to uh, take the principles that Krishnamacharya brought forth from the great tradition and put them into these brands and styles that derived from him. You know. The trouble was that they were just young boys when they were with him, very young boys. I mean, Mr. Iyengar, 21, when he left and stayed in Pune. And after 21, he had to devise his own um, ideas. And he had no further contact with his teacher, Krishnamacharya. So yoga got uh, basically uh, dislodged from the great tradition. So these principles of how yoga is direct intimacy with God, direct <laughs> intimacy with the power of reality. Yoga is the way that you actualize whatever has inspired you. So it's relevant to all cultural points of view, you know, all religious points of view. That's why it traveled in the ancient world and was adopted by all uh, religious groups, all language groups, in the, and now is going through the modern world. But I emphasize that these principles from the great tradition that Krishnamacharya brought forth must be there otherwise it's not actually yoga you know at best it's gymnastics it's the fitness industry and so forth and it's all fine that early enthusiastic interest the early experiment of yoga in the west um, however uh, there are some really essential technical principles that have been left out of what has been popularized and you know everyone who's doing uh, Iyengar Yoga or Bikram Yoga or Patabi Joy Ashtanga Vinyasa, it's all fine, except we must include the principles that the, the teacher of the teachers or the guru of Mr. Iyengar, what he brought through. And there's a fairly thin line of that information in the world because, you know, we got started somewhat after these brands had been firmly fixed in the US and before they traveled to Europe. They were fixed ideas. Uh, my teacher used to call it mediocre gymnastics, statement from Desikacha. If you want to see gymnastics, go and see what the Chinese are doing as gymnastics, or, you know, like gymnastics and the, you know. So it's the popularization of gymnastics. And it's certainly stimulating. And there is something in the form of asana, you know. But there's a, a, a small education to be done, and that is the principles of breath in asana, the principles of inhale merging with the exhale, of strength with receptivity as the very purpose of the asana. You know, the central feature of asana is the breath, and even the purpose of the asana is breath, this matter of 
strength that is the exhale and receptivity which is the inhale it's strength hatha yoga you know. mm. asana is hatha yoga the non-dual tantra of direct intimacy with reality itself mm. and we could go into it how Ramanuja of the 10th century you know clarified the the uh, excesses of the of Vedanta of Advaita Advaita Vedanta Advaita not two only one you know non-dual mm-hmm. only God Ramanuja came and said there must be yoga to actualize Advaita Vedanta to actualize God actualize the non-dual state and that there must be the male-female collaboration, the family life must be there, intimacy with life, men and women as equals and opposites and same-sex or opposite-sex intimacy must be there you know, for the non-dual state, for our reality to be realized. <laughs> so that's why yoga is this very easy and ordinary daily, anybody can do it, so actual and natural daily, non-obsessive practice. I say like brushing your teeth, taking a shower, do your yoga at home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The problem of going to studios is that you're doing somebody else's yoga. You're doing somebody else's patterning that is imposed upon you. And it seems harmless enough except the, the male Brahmin muscular struggle that's been popularized as yoga uh, hurts the body, it injures the joints. Mm. It, ca- it can create sudden or uh, gradual injury in the system. And it's not good. Um, it's, it's kind of a mistake that's, that's happened. And we can now correct that in the yoga world. And for the rest of the public who are intimidated by yoga, how do how do we and this is a direct question from someone else actually um how do we practically or in a practical way become more authentic yoga teachers say for example if we're a teacher in a studio teaching watered down gymnastics Mm. which i feel that i was saying to someone today rachel (laughs) today that i feel like um a bit shallow in when I'm teaching, a, oh, bit, a bit, a bit like, um, and that, that's actually why. Um, and I was looking at your courses that you have coming up. Like I need, I, I need, um, I need to learn a bit more. Uh, and I have moments where I, I feel like I'm teaching um, people to uh, honor themselves, to realize that they don't need anything. But then I fall into this trap of okay, here's how you do a handstand. And then here's some tips about how to do it better. And I fall into that thing of wanting more, progressing, yeah, yeah. progressing. And then I pass that on to people. And without me realizing it, I'm, I'm tricking them into thinking that maybe they're not as good as I am because they can't do a handstand. And, I, and, I, and I find, when I find myself there, I feel like, oh shit, I've fallen into that shallow yeah. teacher again. Yeah. <laughs> I love your honesty. I love your vulnerability. And I'm saying, yes, there is a need to take the principles that Krishnamacharya brought forth from the great tradition and put 
it into the styles and brands that derived from him. He is our grandfather. <laughs> I am his grandchild. You know, we could say Daskachara and Ayenga um, and Patabi Joyce were his uh, sons, his yoga sons. Daskachara, his actual son. You know, Daskachara was my teacher. I did a book for him called The Heart of Yoga, mm. Developing a Personal Practice. Mm -hmm. And these are the principles that any sincere person can learn and place it into the context of the yoga that they already know and love. And that's not hard to do. It's, you know, it's, it takes a little care, mm. but it's not hard learning. You can learn it quite quickly. And those who do that become no longer mere yoga instructors of passing on other people's patterning. And they become yoga teachers, capital Y, capital T. A yoga teacher, somebody who can empower another person to be intimate with their life, to be at one in body and mind with their life, with the power of the cosmos that is their life, intelligence, beauty and harmony that is their life. This is what a yoga teacher does in local community, not an authority, not a knower, mm. just sharing, loving, caring for other people. Uh, who can teach yoga? Three qualifications. One, you have a good teacher yourself. Two, you practice yourself. Three, you care about others. See, So you do have those qualifications. And I would suggest to you and all the yoga teachers in the world, you're hungry to become not yoga instructors, but yoga teachers. Yeah. <laughs> really care. You know, these are sincere people. You're a sincere person. You care for other people. And you do want to be equipped with the full spectrum of yoga practice and understanding so that you can adapt yoga to the needs of each person and not put them on this merry-go-round of a fake push towards a future result with, you know, fake arbitrary knowledge that has been put into Brandon style, you know, in the West and then even goes back into India now um, as, a, as a phenomena, you know. I have to ask you, Mark, mm because this is something I fell into at the start of teaching, adjustments. I used to do adjustments all the time and and I used it as a way to, I had nervous energy when I teach classes, uh, more so than I do now, but and my thing was right, within the first five minutes of the class starting, I'm gonna adjust someone. Because uh, uh, if I don't, then I'm just not gonna touch anyone. And if once I adjust someone, I feel like I'm a certain spatial dominance. Yeah. I feel like I am, a real teacher because I've seen something and I'm, other people can see me adjusting and all this this thing. Yeah. And what what I realized then, as well as, and I, this wasn't the reason, but you know, being a man and in a yoga class where it's mostly women, in this culture where, you know, if something is, if someone accuses you of something, then you could be done for, especially with social media and how information can spread. Mm. That started me thinking, should I still do adjustments? And so that was the first seed of doubt in my head. And the second seed of doubt, which is more important, is I don't want someone pushing me into something I can't do. I, 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 cause when I first started in yoga, I used to sit, try and sit cross-legged and I couldn't do it. I remember the teacher coming behind me, putting their heel of the hands on my inner thighs and pushing my thighs yeah. down and really hurt me. And I thought, oh, you're just like, you feel like the priest again. This is... Yeah. 
What, what are you? Because I, I don't touch I, people anymore. If I could just make, <laughs> thank you, thank you for your sincerity. One very clear, emphatic statement: there should be no adjustments of people in yoga classes in yoga teaching. It is based on a false premises. So, the principle of yoga teaching and creating the creation of yoga standards do not touch your student do not adjust them and the reasons for this are profound they are yogic reasons you allow the breath and the bandha to do the alignment of the asana if you're using any outside force either the force of a teacher adjusting somebody else, adjusting the student, or the force of momentum, you know, this velocity, you know, mass moving through space and jumping from one posture to another, forcing the body to go into positions that cannot go in by it with breath and bunda. Then you're injuring the body, right? Or no, not using gravity, not using props and so forth to try to approximate uh, a posture. Uh, a classical posture. This is this is the wrong way. <laughs> you're going down the wrong alley. You're hurting people. But even more than all of that, is say we do not interfere with a person's prana, a person's life energy. You know, we allow them to flow. You know, my teacher would say prana has its own intelligence and movement. You know, when the breath and body are moving, uh, and breath, body, and mind moving in a unitary movement, then the pranas flow. So we're not to uh, make any, um, put any imposition on the natural flow of a person's life. So this is a kind of a, a strict rule. <laughs> you know, mm. Do not, you know, so be relieved of all of that. All the yoga teachers out there, they <laughs> doing adjustments you know there's even people you know hosting workshops on adjustment workshops you know and uh, attempting to sort of validate these early experiments of yoga in the west and uh, validating the brand of yoga you know and having even lofty academic arguments of you know why there's some sort of uh, improvement in the west in yoga it's not at all you know mm. uh, these, these uh, modern-day brands of yoga are obsessed with straight lines, you know, <laughs> putting straight lines on the human body. Yeah. There are no straight lines in Mother Nature, you know. We are all spirals. We are curves. We are like flowers unfolding This in the radiance that is life. This is what is the form of life, the form of Mother Nature, you know. And along comes male mind and then tries to put order mm. <laughs> into, into the beauty of Mother Nature, mm. the beauty of these organic flowing systems that are full of prana, full of the nurturing force of life. So don't adjust. Just give people correct instruction. Uh, asana is the matter of strength that is receiving. It's the merge of the inhale with the exhale. And we're using the... Uh, body movement to facilitate that union of inhale with exhale. Someone might argue, playing devil's advocate here, that, well, there's no intimacy there because touch is so important. What would well, you say to that? 
a yoga teacher is helping a person to go out and have intimacy with life. <laughs> you know, give a person intimacy of their own embodiment and the opposites within their own embodiment, which is strength that is receptive, that is the male-female qualities of your own life in your own body. And then that gives you the capability of going out and being truly intimate with somebody else. Mm. You know, This is what's needed now in our personal life and public life. Uh, and if you're using a yoga class as a substitute for that intimacy, then that's, that's deeply problematic. And also, Mark, I think that the word intimacy doesn't have to mean touching. Like I know, I know a, a high-profile teacher in the in modern yoga who he will never shake hands with anyone, never hug anyone, and he mm -hmm. does fist bumps. <laughs> this is the thing he does fist bumps, and I I thought, okay, well that's that's problematic. I mean, it, it's kind of a shame really that that would come to that. And I will still like if someone wants to give me a hug, I'll give them a hug, put my arm around someone in a photograph, of course. all that stuff because. That's um, me, see what I do with a friend. Yeah. As, and, and as opposed to, I have to touch someone in the class. But also being intimate, that's, let me, for people who are maybe thinking about sex and touching and stuff, it can be looking at someone in the eye. Of course. And, and actually listening to them. Yeah. Um, as I a, say a yoga teacher has attained ordinariness. <laughs> attained ordinary yeah. you're an ordinary person people hug each other in ordinary social circumstances you say hello and there's eye contact a teacher is a friend no more than a friend no less than a friend mm -hmm. what I'm saying is that in the yoga teaching circumstance there shouldn't be this adjustment yeah. no touch and leave the pranas alone let them flow in their own intelligence there could there might be some light uh, directional indication you know like Inhale, lift the chest, exhale, flatten the abdominals, you know, some light directional indication, that's all. But no gross adjustment at all. Mm. And the yoga class can and does become, you know, there's no intimacy out there in the streets, out there in the, in the apartments, you know, of the city. So they, you go to yoga class and huddle together and wait for the teacher to come and lie on you in your Kashimatanasana, <laughs> you know. And I, just a, a sort of a sad, a sort of a funny story, but a sad story of a, a woman friend of mine in Los Angeles who loved going to class because she looked forward, a single woman, you know. The problem of our urban societies, people in the prime of their life that cannot find appropriate mutuality, you know, intimacy with life. And, mm. and the reasons for that are deep, you know, the religious culprits who glamorized celibacy as some sort of superior state and denied the feminine and their role of authority. Mm. <laughs> you know, all of that has been taken off the people. Your birthright is to be intimate with life. Our cities are full of people who cannot find suitable mutuality. So this dear woman would go to a class and look forward to the time where the teacher would come and lie on her and forward bend as they do, you know. mm. help her go more deeply into Paschimottanasana. One day, the teacher didn't do that and chose a prettier girl next to her. <laughs> and the woman was devastated. See, uh, this mm. is such a cultural fault. You know, That's a shame. That, uh, you know, it's not just, not just the yoga world. The, you know, the yoga world is just another environment of misogyny 
frankly. You know, it's another environment of public control and exploiting the gullibility of the people. You know. Sadly, yoga is just more of the same. Mm. But the, that cultural fault is everywhere where we are doing everything other than having intimacy with life. That's the problem. Mm. Everything is a substitute for intimacy. Mm. You know, we're being sold everything as a substitute. You know, we're being sold cars and mm. fashion. Everything is a trick to make you f help you feel better. Mm. What makes us feel better is by feeling better. Mm. <laughs> feeling better and then feeling better. Mm -hmm. Allow this body to become the feeling mechanism that it is, to become receptive through the crown and frontal line of the body all the way to the genitals, you know. And, uh, you know, then we become uh, receptive our, of, potentially receptive of our intimate partner in, in a way that's not there if we don't have this, the pre-doctrinal yogas of intimacy with life. Yeah, and intimacy with life, intimacy with yourself. Um, you're... Well, Jenny's lucky, but you're also lucky to meet Jenny Keane tonight. Mm. And and uh, Jenny is someone who, I'm giving Jenny a shout out as well. She's been in the podcast a couple of times. She is someone who embodies that. And when you meet Jenny, she gives you a big hug, big kiss. And you think, wouldn't it be great if everyone was like that? <laughs> wouldn't it be great if people just unashamedly themselves and, and out and we could all be comfortable to, to, uh, to be our, ourselves? Right. Look, I think you'd be surprised, Kevin, um, it's very easy to teach a yoga according to the needs of each person and give them that practice straight up, you know, where the principles of the great tradition are given in one, one situation, one class with a person. And you get them to go and practice that on a daily basis. Immediately, a person starts to feel intimate with life, starts to feel, I am who I am, I am what I am, and I'm enjoying my life. I have an Irish friend here, her name is Lorraine. Mm. Uh, just one, two or three classes, and she's saying, I didn't enjoy my life. I didn't <laughs> know how to enjoy my life. And now I'm walking around and I'm walking around, wow, who am I? I'm enjoying my life. Before she had the attitude of, you know, God has given me this life. I suppose I better do it and please <laughs> him and, you know, I better get on with things. And, I, and everything she was doing was a duty. Even she'd mm. go for a walk on the beach and it was like 10 lengths of the beach as a kind of a duty. And now I have to go and do the next self-improvement thing, you know. And that she got this yoga and immediately, immediately she started to feel intimate with life and the potential of being intimate with somebody else and it's a, it can be given very quickly mm. I want to emphasize that the principles of teaching standards uh, we've published in the Heart of Yoga on our website heartofyoga.com and they're all there they're called the teaching standards and these principles are there that we need as teachers in, in, the, in our world and they're not different from yeah, they're just common sense principles and they apply to anybody who's teaching any kind of yoga at all. So I want to recommend that people look at those. And uh, I emphasize that yoga is thousands of years old. It was shamanic practice from non-hierarchical, you know, egalitarian societies. 
And it was the way that each and every ordinary person uh, became intimate with their own wonder, their own power, their own beauty, you know. And it evolved over thousands of years. It was so useful, it got codified in this vast body of literature called the Tantras from the 8th to the 13th century. They were there and they flourished throughout India and Tibet. And then orthodoxy, you know, male autocracy, power structure, then obliterated them, took them out of the public's visibility after the 13th century. Krishnamachaya, who was born into a family of Vedanta scholars, and a profound, learned young man, and he went to Varanasi, the hub of the Hindu tantras, uh, the learning, and is at universities there for 11 years. Uh, and he was stuck with this, his own acharya of Vedanta said there must be yoga, there must be the family life to realize the uh, advait, the non-dual state. So he needed to learn yoga and he looked around India and Tibet and found there was uh, very little that of yoga teaching that he could rely upon with the same sort of uh, academic uh, precision uh, you know, something that you could depend upon as being sound because yoga has become, did sort of become business, you know, like people hobbling together, 200-hour course, <laughs> calling it yoga, <laughs> you know. Uh, so he um, needed a reliable source. And he, by reputation, he heard of Ramamohan Brahmachari, this, because even in Tibet, yoga had sort of become invisible and had been confined to sort of hermitage-type situations. Even the Tibetan Buddhists pushed out uh, the tantras from their own um, lineages, you know. So there was this yogi on Lake Manasarova uh, called uh, Ramamohan Brahmachari. He went there. He must have been really a good guy. <laughs> Krishnamacharya lived with his wife and family uh, in a cave there in Lake Manasarova. And what I say, he rescued the yoga tantras from almost invisibility in this world. And at some point, his teacher said, now you go and you bring this yoga into the world. And he did. He went to Mysore and he went to the Maharaja Mysore, uh, who became his student and his patron. And that's where he taught the young men, um, Mr. Iyengar and Patabi Joyce. And so this uh, intention now is to bring yoga into the whole world and give it to all the people, not just the yoga scene as it is, but all the, all sincere religious people mm. or all sincere non-religious people. You know, they're just as sincere. They've rejected religion for the same sort of sincere reasons, you know, <laughs> and now take a position as of atheists and agnostics or whatever. But they, they too want to feel better. They want to have, they want to enjoy their life. Mm. They want to be, to know their own power, their own intelligence, their own beauty, that is life itself. Mm. So I just want to acknowledge that, that this work that came through Krishnamacharya has really just gotten started. We've sort of been diverted in our attention by the yoga gymnastics that was commodified in the US and turned into Brandon style. But we're all intelligent people. We're like you, you're sincere and you looked into the popular stars, but now you want the real deal. You want to be a teacher, you know, a capital Y, capital T teacher and care about people and empower them. 
and you want a, the full spectrum of cards, you know, to play with. At the moment, you've got a glossy pack of cards, some brand or style, and it looks good, but there's five cards missing. You know? <laughs> and the game never seems to resolve. There's something sort of wrong with it. Yeah. You put the entire spectrum of yoga practice in, then you've got a full pack of cards and the game resolves every time you practice. You know? yeah. And this is what we want to give to the world now and and finish the job that Krishnamacharya started. We went, recently we went to Lake Manasarova. I always wanted to do it because Krishnamacharya had been there and his son Desikachar, he went uh, late in his life to pay respects to this ancient place of origin of yoga. And I'm so glad we did it. We sort of did it as a, a gesture of gratitude. You know, all the yogis from the West we go to Kailash and walk around Kailash for three days and go to Lake Manasarova and found the cave where Krishnamacharya would have lived with his teacher. And it was very um, important thing for me and my friends to do. And we felt much gratitude, you know, each footstep going around the mountain. But to my surprise, I felt these ancient beings there, especially the, the women Dakinis who have been written out of the social history, the religious history of Tibet and India. Because from the 13th century onward, it was, it was all about male power structure, male celebrities, you know. <laughs> they, they are the ones that are remembered in history. So I found these ancient beings sort of expressing gratitude uh, to us that we were doing this, you know, that we were taking, holding the dharmas and loving them, respecting them, lover, loving our early brothers and sisters who were the yogis and the yoginis who held yoga in this world and taking it and then bringing it into the world. And it was like bringing a garland of gratitude from Ireland and, and Australia, New Zealand, US, you know, Europe, everywhere, and taking it around Kailash saying, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but then the ancient ones of Kailash thanked us <laughs> for holding their treasure that had almost disappeared. You know, in the recent history of the Chinese colonization of Tibet, there's a vulgar story in itself. But beyond that, it, it had still disappeared through the imposition of uh, male power structure mm. on the on yoga, which is male and female as equals mm -hmm. and opposites, where one empowers the other in mm -hmm. an endless mutual exchange. You see, this is religious life. Mm -hmm. This is the this is life, participation in life as it is. And it it had seemed to have disappeared. And I think uh, Krishnamacharya's guru would have foresaw this the possibility that this could disappear from humanity altogether in the monster of the secular, you know, imposition on the planet Earth. So um, this garland of gratitude was returned, <laughs> the gratitude we felt, and we hold this, and, and everybody that we teach who receives this and then continues to teach it to your, in your communities, in your towns and cities around in Ireland and around the world. They are part of that garland of gratitude. Mm. You know? 
that this great gift is held, uh, still held and alive by living, good-hearted people mm. who are passing it on. And I do see that happening in the world in all kinds of unexpected towns and cities in Europe and everywhere, in Africa, everywhere. Mm. There are these good people doing their best to mm. uh, pass it on. And Krishnamacharya, Char, his son, would say, anybody who is, who is a sincere student of my father who does their best to pass it on are in the Guru Parampara of my father. This, what is the Guru Yeah, it's a vast, cultural, ancient enterprise mm -hmm. <laughs> that came through that almost disappeared. And Krishnamacharya rescued it from obscurity and brought it out in the open. Mm -hmm. and, and we have it now. And I'm saying these principles need to be included in mm -hmm. all the popularization of yoga. Mm -hmm. And let's get... Uh, serious about yoga. Well, I'm I'm glad you you're here, and um, I'm glad that hopefully tonight I get a chance to come to one of your practices um, if I can get my classes covered. Find a dog sitter. <laughs> Find a dog sitter. And come on. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Mark, it's been an honour, a pleasure. I hope it's um, we get to meet again. And. Um, Thank you for all your, your knowledge and uh, for taking the time to come to my home. Yeah, and thank you for holding this and uh, feeling the beauty of what is yoga and doing your best. And thank you for being so um, humble, you know, non-dogmatic and you're open-minded in your stand. You know. You're not doing the usual game of being a knower, <laughs> tricking, <laughs> tricking the people and to trying to know what you know, the social dynamic of disempowerment, that whole thing doesn't work. Yeah. You know, we just share yoga as obvious equals. You know. mm. As I say, it's almost impossible for the public to imagine that spiritual transmission can occur without that power structure, without mm. a hierarchy. But indeed it is possible. Mm. Indeed it is necessary for that power structure not to be there because there's no transmission in that power structure. Mm -hmm then the only transmission is doubt. The only transmission is that power structure mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the golden cage of that power structure. Yeah. So it's all out in the open now. We're born, born in, a, in a time in Ireland and everywhere else where we can have this conversation. Yeah. And I'm glad to be having it with you. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, thanks, thanks, so, thanks so much. Thank you. There you go. Knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb by Mr. Whitwell quality work and a fascinating guy and an absolute gent 2020 is coming up it's around the corner it may already be here if you're listening to this in the future and you might be thinking man you know april it gets me down because it rains a lot it's gray it's not really spring it's not really summer i need something to look forward to kev well i got you i got your back covered ardna who come along to our retreat myself rachel this april Third, of, third to the fifth, a weekend. We're going to do hot tubs. We're going to do saunas. Um, hiking. Rach does reflexology. She does holistic massage. I do the yoga, as you know. Um, I'm not doing the cooking. Neither is Rach. We have a couple of chefs that are going to look after the cooking for us. And this is one of the top 10 retreats worldwide by The Guardian, if I didn't say that already. So come and check it out. You can pick up your early bird ticket if you register before 
January 31st and just give it a 120 deposit, non-refundable, uh, of course, and then that will guarantee your spot. Any questions about the retreat, please let myself or Rach know. You can visit my website, kevinboyyoga.ie, or you could even go to rachelkinnon.ie. Rach has the same information on her website. This podcast was sponsored and brought to you by Small Changes, Pada Rice and Co. looking after everyone, looking after the environment and doing good stuff for our bodies by producing, well not producing, so, uh, being, being the purveyors of quality organic produce. So check them out, smallchanges.ie. Thanks so much as always for the reviews, for the kind words, for the questions. Um, yeah, it's great. Next next week we have we have Jenny Keane for the Christmas special. Oh yeah, so that's going to be normally we have episodes come out every Thursday, no matter well no matter what they come out every Thursday. But for this Christmas special, we're going to give you a little treat and have it be. I'm going to try and get it out before Christmas Eve, so like you know Santa's going to come early as it were in the form of Jenny Keane. So yeah, ch- keep an eye out for that one. If you're listening in January, then you can already flick forward to that one with Jenny. As always, really appreciate your support, all your kind words. Keep questioning, keep practicing, and uh, hope you have a lovely Christmas or New Year or Valentine's Day or whatever you're doing. Hope it's all good. (laughs) All right, that's enough. See ya.